Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Children, y'all are staying with us this morning. There's still some kids' packs in the back. There's a hangout corner in the back if you want to. If you want to walk around, do your thing, uh, walk the aisles, uh, whatever it takes, uh, we are glad that you are in here this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to work through that, uh, Lord willing, in a timely ma- manner. Romans 8, some call this the, the mountain peak of the Scripture or the mountain peak of the New Testament because in it contains so much that reminds us and shows us the plight of the world and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So that's where we're going to be looking at this morning. What I hope to do, a lot of verses that we're going to go through this morning, but instead of deep diving into one or two verses, my hope and prayer this morning is that we get this panoramic view. Have you ever stood at the edge of maybe the Grand Canyon or the Smoky Mountains or the Rocky Mountains or whatever it might be? It is fun to climb a mountain and to see those specific tactics steps that take you to the top, but it is glorious sometimes just to look at the landscape, look at the panorama, and see all around the beauty of what God has done. That's what I hope to do by looking at Romans 8 this morning, that we can just step back and see the big picture and glory in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, to bask in the sunlight, if you will, of the resurrected Christ. And that's what I'm praying we will do this morning, that we will bask in the glorious sun, leave here this morning saying, thank you, Jesus. That is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's what we've been looking at through the book of Galatians, and we'll pick that up next week. But this Rome, this week, we want to stay with that theme, Jesus plus nothing is everything, and we'll get back into Galatians next week. Romans chapter 8 is where we are. So if you didn't see the title, this sermon is about nothing. This is not a Seinfeld episode, if you worry about that. And I almost had nothing. Last night at 8.30, I went on my computer to pull up the sermon, and guess what pulled up? Nothing. This is a true story. And so in a panic, I ran up into the church, found it still on my desktop, and was able to salvage it. It did not sink to the cloud. Clouds don't always work, just in case you were wondering. I was very panicked. We almost had nothing this morning. But anyway, we have something. And so the something that we will talk about is is nothing. What do we mean about nothing? Christ plus nothing. I hope to put a little substance to nothing this morning. Throughout Galatians, we have seen that nothing we can do uh, can earn our salvation. That is clear in the scripture. And this morning, I will hope that we will see because we serve the resurrected Christ, that nothing can be done to destroy it or to snatch you out of the Father's hand. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Let's start there. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Point number one this morning that I want you to see that the hope that we have, the unshakable hope that we have, is the spirit of the resurrected Christ in us. This morning we celebrate that Jesus is alive. And this morning we celebrate as we hear in Romans 8, 11, that the spirit of the resurrected Christ, if you have trusted in Jesus, is in you. We are alive by way of him being in us. A life of peace is found by having life in him, and his life is in us. If we are in Christ, then we live not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
We still struggle with sin, but that no longer identifies us. What we have in us is the Spirit of Christ. We will be resurrected. We long for that day, but the Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that the Spirit of the resurrected Christ is in us. He's taken up residence in us, and we are resurrected, listen to me good, even now. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. If we are in Christ, if we've been crucified with him, Romans chapter 6 tells us that we have been raised with him. It's done. You are resurrected. We long for resurrection, but even now, you are raised with Christ. The spirit who raised Jesus, the Bible says in Romans 8, 11, the one with resurrection power is in you and seals you for that day. So this morning, follow with me, we celebrate the resurrection in the historical past and are so thankful that for the resurrection that is to come, but let's not forget to celebrate the resurrection that is us here and now. And who knows? I'm praying that perhaps he will raise some of you to life this morning. The Bible tells us that if you turn to Christ, the work has been done. He has died for the sins of his people. He has been raised with, God has raised him up as for justification for our sins by simply trusting in him. Jesus plus nothing is everything. You simply come to Jesus and receive Jesus. So this whole chapter is about living in the power of the resurrection. Living in the power of the resurrected Christ. Look what it says in verse 12. It says this, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We talked about that last week in our Galatians series. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also might be glorified with him. So Christ in you is everything. And point number two of what I want you to see this morning is that we have nothing to fear. There's the first nothing. We have, if you have Christ, you have everything. And if you have Christ, you have nothing to fear. Do you hear what the Word of God says? Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, not to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. So here's the glorious truth. You have nothing to fear, Because we are sons of God by way of his resurrected spirit being in us. Our identity is secure. And we we no longer have to fear anonymity. We no longer have to fear that we need to make something of ourselves. We no longer have to fear that we are going to lose that identity. For if you are in Christ, you have been adopted by him and you are his son. You are his heir. You cry to him, Abba, Father, and you have nothing to fear because the death conquering king is your father. That is wonderful news. What else do you have to fear? This is the one 
that we serve. I, I love what, I'm just thinking about this, I saw Matthew Smithhurst, it's a, he wrote a book that we went through with our deacons this year. Uh, he had a wonderful quote, he says, in the courtroom of heaven, because of Christ, the courtroom of heaven has been turned from a criminal trial to an adoption ceremony. And so if we are in Christ, we have been adopted. We no longer stand condemned for the condemnation has fallen upon Christ and he has adopted us as his own. We no longer have to fear. Our identity is secure. He is our father and nothing will snatch us from our father's hand. We have nothing to fear. Do you see what else? If we are sons, then we are heirs. Our inheritance is secure. Our inheritance is unfading, undefiled. It will never be taken away from us. No matter how much inflation rises, no matter how much gas prices rises, our inheritance is secure and undefiled in the heaven, in heavens, and nothing can take that away from us. We have nothing to fear. The inheritance, there is a glory coming, a reality. We see this in a resurrection as, as Jesus moves about his disciples and moves through walls and rooms and shows up in various ways, a reality we are going to experience a reality, follow with me, that is more real than what we know here and now. A glory that is so beautiful that it's more beautiful than anything we know here and now. This inheritance is secure. We wait an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Christ will come for his own. So brothers and sisters, we have nothing to fear. We are sons. We are his people and nothing can take that away. We have an inheritance that is undefiled, that's unchanging, that will not be taken away, and it's been sealed by a resurrected Christ. We have nothing to fear. Number two, not only do we have nothing to fear if we have Christ in us, nothing will steal our hope. Look at verse, look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to reveal to us. Verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth even until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for us for it in patience. So number one, we have nothing to fear. For we are sons, and if sons, we have an inheritance that is secure. Number two, we have nothing, nothing that will steal our hope. We have nothing. Do you hear what it says here? Nothing in all of creation will steal our hope. Do you hear what Paul describes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 22? He's saying that creation is broken. Creation is frustrated. Creation is longing for redemption. Creation was subjected to futility. Here's what this means. That the human race fell into sin when the first human, Adam, sinned. 
And somehow, in that fall, creation itself has been subjected to frustration. Nature itself is not what it ought to be. We've lived through that, haven't you? Hurricane Ida, even this past year, right? Talk about frustrating. Some of you are probably still dealing with the frustrations that go along with a broken creation. And the Bible says that's, that's part of living in a broken world. And that often threatens to rob our hope and steal our joy. And the Bible is saying that nothing, not even broken creation, can steal that joy from us. For it has been subjected to futility. Do you hear what Paul says? In hope. One day creation will be redeemed. Now, now this overwhelms me. I, I talked a minute ago about looking at panoramas and mountain views and things like that. Can you imagine standing at the rim of the Grand Canyon looking down at the beauty that, it, that is there and thinking that somehow this is broken? Like this is not as beautiful as it was meant to be. Can you imagine walking maybe through City Park and seeing all the flowers? When did the tulips bloom? I think that's sometime in the near future already happened. And, and you see the beauty of, of God's creation. And that, that's meant to point us to the glory of Christ. And you know, even that is broken. And so I'm, I'm not get, getting at you to go look at creation and say, man, this really stinks. <laughs> this is broken. This is kind of, no, it's glorious. It's beautiful. God in his mercy gives us this glimpse of glory even through a broken earth. Even through broken soil, there's flowers that bloom up and we can say, praise God, even in the midst of futility, we see that there is hope and one day this world, this created world, will be all that it's created to be because of a resurrected Christ. And so when we look at beautiful things, we don't say, wow, this is ugly, saying, God, you are even more glorious than this. Creation itself is subjected to hope, subjected to futility, but it's subjected to futility and hope. Creation will be glorified. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, behold, I am making all things new. God's ultimate plan is not to scrap the earth and throw it into the waistband like a crumbled piece of paper. We see that with the resurrection. He rose bodily. He is renewing and he will renew it. And he's starting with you and I, with raising us to life. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The new creation starts with a redeemed humanity. And one day when Christ returns, everything will be as it ought to be. His plan is for the earth, this earth, to be covered with his glory as the waters cover the sea. A groaning creation Nothing in all of groaning creation can steal our hope. There's nothing in groaning humanity that can steal our hope. There's a reality that creation is broken. There's a reality that we are broken, but we see how it all ends. That we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now the hope that is seen is not hope, for he who hopes for what, for who hopes for what he sees. Verse 25, look at it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience, with patience. So we patiently wait. The return of our resurrected Christ. We patiently wait for when he will return and we shall be transformed, the Bible says, for we shall see him and we shall be like him, for we will behold him as he is. And when that happens, all of creation 
will be, as it were, resurrected. All of creation will be made right. All of futility will be done away with it. And right now, we have the first fruits of that Spirit in us. We don't yet see it, but it's coming. So, brothers and sisters, there's nothing to fear. You are sons and you are daughters. You are heirs according to the promise. There's nothing to fear in all of creation because nothing will steal your hope. Nothing in all of broken creation, nothing in all of broken humanity. Have you seen broken humanity over the past couple years? That is not, that is subjected to futility, but resurrection is coming. And in fact, it has come in Christ Jesus. If that's not more, here's the third thing I want you to do. Not only we have nothing to fear, nothing will steal our hope, nothing will be hindered by our own weakness. Look at verse 26. Our weakness is not going to stop this glorious resurrection, this glorious resurrection restoration from coming to reality. And we see that even in a crucified Christ, a Christ that was murdered at the hands of sinful man was accomplishing the most glorious thing in all of history. So if you think suffering is somehow undoing or your weakness is somehow undoing the sovereign plan of God, I got good news for you this morning. Your weakness, nothing will stop God. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Listen to this good news. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknown, for whom he foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So it's almost like Paul's going through Romans chapter eight. Then what about my identity? You're secure in Christ. What about the brokenness in creation and the brokenness in humanity? You have nothing to fear. That will not stop your hope because God himself subjected it to futility and hope. He is doing something. What about my own weakness? Fear not, Christian, if the Spirit is inside of you. Did you see what Paul said? The Spirit himself intercedes for us seeking God's will. So I don't know what God's will is. You have the Spirit inside of you seeking God's will groaning for you, interceding for you. The Spirit intercedes, listen to this, by articulating to the Father the groanings from deep within our soul. Maybe you feel weak, maybe you feel overwhelmed, maybe you feel like you just don't cut it, and that's a good feeling to have, because when you are weak, He is strong. The Spirit intercedes by articulating to the Father the groanings from deep within our soul that we are not even able to put into words. The Son intercedes by showing the Father the merits of his death and resurrection. In effect, the Spirit and Son are both praying for us. What an astonishing and compelling reason for hope and confidence. And so Paul says, don't fall back into fear. Don't let your weakness cause you to fall back into your fear because weak Christians have the Spirit of God inside of them groaning. Spirit's groaning for you. The son is pleading, saying, that one is mine. 
That's my brother and sister, and they're covered in my blood. He pleads the work the Son does to the Father and says, that one's mine on account of the blood. And the Spirit, when we don't know what to pray, don't know what God's will is, He is groaning for us. The resurrected Christ is alive. He's interceding for us. And the Spirit of the resurrected Christ is interceding for us when we don't know what to pray. And not only is the Spirit helping us, that this God is working all things together for good. Victory doesn't depend upon your own strength. It's all on Christ. For we know that those who love God, those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For you, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation, and even suffering like our Christ is transforming us from one degree of glory to the next. And so if you are not in Christ this morning, we have two options. One, plead the blood of Christ. Or one, deal with your sin for all of eternity in hell. The good news is, is the resurrected Christ holds the keys of death in Hades. Revelation chapter 1 says, us, says to us, and all who come to Christ, all who repent and trust in Christ for their salvation, experience the joy that we have in Christ Jesus, that no matter what happens in our life, it's transforming us from one degree of glory to the next. Brothers and sisters, we have nothing to fear. The Spirit is helping us. God, for the Christian, is working all things together for good. So what then shall we say? Our final point this morning. What then shall we say? Nothing. Nothing will separate us from his love. We have nothing to fear, nothing that can rob our hope, nothing in our own weakness that will somehow prevent the plan of God or the goodness of God from from happening. And now he says, what shall we say to these? What he's getting at all of this is that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. For it is God who can be against us. If the God who has purposed our glory is all-powerful, why are we afraid of any opposition? Verse 32, listen to what it says. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also graciously give us all things? If the God who purposed our glory is willing to give up his most precious possession, his son, why worry about our needs? Verse 33, who will bring any charge against God's collect? It is God who justifies. If the God who has purposed our glory has declared us righteous, why ever feel guilty or unforgiven? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus who died, and more than that, who was raised, is interceding on our behalf. If the Christ who lived a perfect life and died a perfect death is standing before the Father on our behalf, why ever feel guilty or unforgiven? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ in Christ Jesus? This is the last question because this is what he's getting after in all the other questions. The only thing we really have to fear that would really harm us is to be separated from the love of Christ. And the scripture is saying there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing in all of creation. In fact, in these things we are more than conquerors. You hear what it says in verse 38, that Paul is convinced that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. In verse 39, he says, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What can separate us? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing in human existence. Nothing in death or life. Nothing in the spiritual realm. Nothing in angels or demons. Nothing in time. Nothing present nor the future. Nothing. No power. Nothing in space nor height nor depth. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Why? Because God loves us. And he's placed his love on us. And he loves us on account of his son. It's because of the blood of Christ. It's not because we are worthy, but because he is glorious and he is gracious. We are loved in Christ. And he sealed us with his precious blood. And he's put the spirit of the resurrected Christ in us. So we have nothing to fear. Because nothing will able, is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because Jesus died and was raised. And the spirit of the resurrected Christ is in us. What is true of Christ is true of us. It's all grace. What will we lay our head on the pillow at night? What will give us hope? What will give us comfort? What will enable us to face our past? What will enable us to face our present? And what will enable us to face our future is the simple truth of, oh, how he loved us. For he who did not spare his own son, but died, and more than that was raised, he's at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us even now. We serve a resurrected Christ who has put his spirit in us. What is something that you fear? What is something that you are ashamed of? What is something that hangs over you? What is something that you are trusting for salvation, whether it's your religious performance or what is something that you think keeps you away from salvation because of your poor performance? The truth of the gospel is we have everything if we have Christ and Christ is offered to us by grace through faith. It's a free gift, the love of God in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. The inheritance is ours in Christ Jesus. And we have a resurrected Christ interceding for us at this very hour. I invite you this morning to trade that something for the good news of nothing for the good news that's nothing that can keep you from Christ, nothing can earn your salvation. If you come to Christ, you have everything. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer.